so excited to bring the word today. I have to say, this is my favorite church in the entire world. I have been planted here. This has been my home church for eight or nine years now. And, you know, I was thinking about how many people, families, and members that have been planted in this church for five, 10, 15 plus years. And I was just thinking, what a reflection of the health of our church. And what a reflection of the quality of our pastors, right? I believe we have the best pastors in the entire world. Our founding pastors, Pastor Steve and Lisa, our lead pastors, Pastors Dustin and Jamie. Can we just thank God for them this morning? Love them so, so much. Uh, as Pastor Dustin mentioned, I'm one of our youth pastors. I'm also, I help lead our leadership college at the church, ELC. And we start next week. And I want to speak to any young adults in the house today. I want you to know you need to do ELC. If I were you, I would do whatever I needed to do, change whatever I needed to change, reschedule whatever I needed to reschedule to make sure I do ELC this year. I did it for two years. It was the best two years of my life. I got the greatest friends, made the best memories, and I would not be who I am today without it. And so in the lobby, we have our ELC station. If you're interested, we'd love to talk to you after service. Well, um, my husband, his name is Marshall. And if you're wondering what he's like, I married a tech genius. He fixes all of my computer problems and software issues. It's not the only reason I married him, just a perk. Um, he also serves on the production team. Shout out to the real heroes, the media team. Oh my gosh, the real MVPs, honestly. Uh, we have a seven month old baby boy named Sailor. Uh, some people think his name is Taylor, or we've even gotten Skylar. And it's Sailor, as in sailboat Sailor. Um, and, you know, when people ask me, why did you name him Sailor? I always think that they're expecting some really spiritual, deep answer and reasoning why we named him Sailor. And I think next time someone asks me that, I'm just going to make up something extremely spiritual. And I'm going to say, oh, we named him Sailor because we believe he's going to be guided by the wind of God in his sails throughout his life. Yeah? You like, is that one a good one? Or what about this one? Well, we named him Sailor because we believe he's going to sail over deep ocean water where no man has ever gone before. Which one do y'all like better? One or two? Tell me. You like two? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> but the truth is, uh, you look up the biblical meaning of Sailor. It means one who sails, one who navigates a ship. So we literally just named him Sailor because we like the name. Anybody else in the room today, you just like it. What does that tattoo mean? I just liked it, you know? We were not very spiritual when we named our son, um, but I do want you to know something about me before we get into the word today, that I love the presence of God. And when I was a teenager, uh, I didn't believe in God. I was a heathen. <laughs> and I didn't want anything to do with God. I thought God was a myth and a fairy tale, you know, something people believed in to make them feel better, had zero interest in God. Well, some friends dragged me to church one day, and I was in for a rude awakening because I experienced the presence and the power and the love of God that changed me forever. 
And it was never a polished, beautiful speech or message that ever captured my heart. It was the power of God that captured my heart. And I want you to know that uh, before we get into the word, because my goal today, my success would not be to not stumble over my words because I do it all the time. That's not success for me. Success for me would be you getting a word from God today that the presence of God ministers to you, speaks to you, because he knows exactly what you need. I may not know what you came in with, but God does. God sees your story. God sees your journey. He knows your prayers, and he knows exactly what you need today. And I pray that he speaks to you and gives you exactly what you need. I really feel like I have a word from God for our church today that's going to put a fire in in us and a fight in our spirits. And listen, I understand I'm, I'm one of the younger people in the room today, but I know that the word of God has no age limit, no age restrictions. The word of God is powerful no matter who is preaching it. Acts 2.17 says that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And to prophesy means to declare God's word. And I have a word for you today. I really believe this is going to speak to you. This is something God spoke to me years ago. And it has truly been the fuel in my ministry journey and in my faith journey. I believe it's going to do the same for you today. Amen? All right, open up your Bibles or you can look on the screen. Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to be reading today. And we're going to be reading about a man named John the Baptist. And if you don't know uh, about John the Baptist, he was a legend, he was a beast, he was hardcore. He preached uh, repentance in the wilderness, paved the way for the Messiah. He lived off wild honey and locusts. Someone say that's nasty. That's na he was hardcore. Um, but we're going to read about him because whenever uh, he was preaching uh, that the repent for the kingdom of heaven has come, uh, people in authority didn't like it. And there was this man named Herod who arrested John the Baptist. And when we read in this story, uh, John the Baptist is currently in prison. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 6. It says, On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Promised by, prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. In this sentence right here is the pinnacle of our passage today. It says, then they went and told Jesus. Jesus just got a gut punch. He just got the most devastating news. And to understand what Jesus is feeling in this moment, uh, we need to look at the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. So let me give you a few things about their relationship. They had history. The first time they met, they were both in their mother's wombs, and they knew each other their entire lives. You know you know someone really well when they look at you and say, I knew you before you were born, when you were in your mom's tummy. You know you know someone really well. Uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 42 says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby who was John the Baptist leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the first time they met. John the Baptist, he was the person who devoted his life 
devoted his entire life to prepare the way and advocate that Jesus was the Messiah. John the Baptist honored, respected, and believed in Jesus. Mark 1, 7 says, uh, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. John the Baptist honored and respected Jesus. Jesus went to John the Baptist specifically to be baptized by John. Sometimes we read the baptism of Jesus and we think he just found the most convenient, closest person to baptize him. But actually this verse in Matthew 3.13 tells us that he traveled to be baptized by John. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. This is as if you get on a plane and you go to a specific person to meet with them so that they can baptize you. You know you love someone when they do that. Um, Jesus says this about John when he's preaching to a town in Galilee after, Jesus, uh, after John had passed away. Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, among these born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. In other words, Jesus says, he was the greatest person I ever knew. Some people, most people believe that they were cousins, they were blood related. But what we do know for sure is that Jesus loved so deeply John the Baptist. And what we just read is John the Baptist is murdered. What I would assume is a very dishonorable death by a man named Herod. And the title of the message this morning is Make Him pay. Everybody say, make him pay. pay. Turn to someone next to you and say, make him pay. pay. Turn to the other person next to you and say, you better make him pay. (laughs) I have a question for you. Have you ever tried to get payback before? I know I have. I have a younger brother. Anyone who has siblings in the room, you absolutely have tried to get payback. I have a younger brother and uh, growing up, we would always roughhouse all the time. I mean, I think I kicked four of his teeth out of his mouth growing up. We would rough house. And my mom would always say, Madison, one day he's going to be bigger than you. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. He did get bigger than me. He graduated high school, went to the military. I remember the first time he came back from boot camp, uh, he was six inches taller, buffer, had facial hair and chest hair. And I'm like, who are you? And where is my brother? Literally now, he's like 6'5", his calves are like this big. Anyway, it's Christmas time, we're in the kitchen, and my brother is messing with me. I mean, he's taunting me, he's pushing my buttons, and I'm like, listen, I gotta show him who's boss right now. And I look at him, I say, listen, I know you're all big and tough and you're a Marine now, but I'm still your older sister and I can still take you down. He kept pushing my buttons. And I had to say, listen, I got to show him who's boss. And next thing I know, this turns into a full-blown kitchen towel whip fight. Does anyone in the house of God this morning know what I'm talking about? I'll give you a little lesson. This is where you get a kitchen towel. Don't try this at home, disclaimer. You wind it up and you use it as a whip. And you can snap it so hard. And if you do it right, this can be lethal. Lethal. And if you really want it to hurt, oh, you go put the end of that towel 
and you wet it under the sink, and you know it's about to go down. This is what me and my brother are doing. We're going at it. And all of a sudden, he gets me so bad right on the leg. And I'm telling you, you should have heard that snap. I had a bruise for days. It broke skin. I'm telling you, it's lethal. Lethal. And I felt that pain. And all of a sudden, my entire demeanor changed. I said, oh, this is not a game anymore. And I had two options in that moment. I said, I can either say, okay, we're done here. That's enough. You crossed the line. I'm done. Or I could get payback. And if you know me at all, you know what I chose. And I looked at him with fire in my eyes. And I said, you are going to pay for that. I wish I could tell you that in the story if I had time. It is an interesting ending, maybe another time. But when I felt pain, I wanted payback. Do you know when you and I feel and experience pain in our lives, we have two options. To either shrink back and retreat or get payback. And we need to understand today that the way the enemy attacks you and I in our lives today is by inflicting pain, causing pain. And there's three ways the enemy causes pain that I see in our lives, I see in the Bible, and I see in Jesus' life. And the first way that he causes pain is he attacks you personally, a personal attack. He attacks you directly. We see this when Jesus is in the wilderness by himself for 40 days, 40 nights. Satan comes to him face to face. Satan comes to attack Jesus personally. Everyone say, it's personal. It's per- this is a personal attack. This is an attack that doesn't necessarily involve anyone else, doesn't necessarily affect anyone else. This is a personal attack. This can look like insecurity, anxiety, loneliness, depression, temptation, addiction, physical or mental health challenges? Have you ever faced a personal attack? This is when the enemy tries to get you directly. But if he can't get you directly, he'll try the second option. He will try to attack someone you love. And this is what we see when Jesus loses John the Baptist. Is Satan didn't get Jesus directly, so he said, maybe I can go get someone he loves. If the enemy can't get you, he will try to get you by attacking someone you love. Why? Because he knows what we say and what we believe. I can take it all day long. You can come after me all day long, but don't you touch my spouse. And don't you touch my kids. Any parents in the house. We're protective. We love hard. Don't you touch my parents. And the enemy knows that sometimes that hurts worse. Have you ever felt pain? Not because of what you were dealing with, but because of what someone you love was dealing with. Watching someone you love grieve. Watching someone you love struggle with addiction. Or you have a child that comes home every day crying after school because they get bullied. Someone you love struggles with chronic illness or walks away from the Lord or experiences a miscarriage or infertility. It almost hurts worse watching someone you love experience pain. 
And the last way the enemy attacks is he will get someone you love to attack you. We see this with Judas. Jesus loved Judas, trusted Judas, spent years of his life with Judas. And Judas betrays Jesus for money. Causes Jesus the worst pain of his life. Have you ever had someone you love hurt you? Someone you love lie to you, steal from you, manipulate you, cheat on you, abuse you. The list goes on and on and on. The enemy, he attacks by inflicting pain and causing pain. And I just want to speak to anyone in the room today who is feeling pain in some area of your life. You're heartbroken in some area of your life. I want you to know that you are in the right place. You are in good company. Because the church is a hospital for the broken. The church is a hospital for the hurting, for the brokenhearted, for the grieving. It's a hospital. There's a verse in the Bible that says that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. And so if you're experiencing pain, I have good news for you that God sees your pain. He knows your pain. He relates to your pain. He cares about you. He loves you and he's close to you. There's a verse in the Bible that says God is close to those whose hearts are breaking. He loves you. He cares about you. He has seen every tear that you have cried. He has seen every sleepless night. He sees you and he cares about you. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. When we experience pain, we have two options, right? To either shrink back and retreat or to get payback. And Jesus in this passage, he's experiencing such pain and he's grieving. As I, and as I'm reading this, I'm literally thinking Jesus must want payback. I know he's the Messiah and the son of God, but he's also human. And if someone, if that happened to someone I loved, I would want payback. I'm thinking Jesus must want payback. And as I kept reading, I saw that Jesus' response was payback. And that's what we're going to look at today. In fact, you can even see it in the title. I'm going to show you up here on the screen. The first passage that we read is titled, John the Baptist Beheaded. The very next passage that we read is titled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. That miracle is interesting because it is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the only miracle besides the resurrection that is in all four accounts. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus feeds the 5,000 is arguably the most significant miracle Jesus did in his life. And I do not believe that it is a coincidence or an accident that the greatest miracle Jesus did was after the greatest pain that he felt. That right there is called payback. We serve a God of payback who will not let the enemy get away with the pain that he caused you, the attack he made on you, what he did to your marriage, what he did to your kids, to your family, to your business. We serve a God of payback, payback. 
And we're going to read Jesus' response. And we're going to find out how we can make a payback in our lives today. So let's read Jesus Feeds the 5,000. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go, get, go to their villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only here five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Give them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. The only miracle that's in all four accounts. And my first observation reading this is that Jesus did not go and attack Herod, the one who killed John the Baptist. In fact, didn't talk about him, didn't even acknowledge him. When I would have showed up on Herod's doorstep, called down fire from heaven, and I said, who do you think you're messing with? I am the Messiah, the Son of God. You are going to pay for the pain that you caused. Amen, right? Anybody with me? You're going to pay. Herod did that. Herod deserves to pay. But to show you who's boss, give you a piece of my mind. Jesus never did that. Why? Because he knew who his enemy was. And if we are going to get pay back, we need to first and foremost know who our enemy is. Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And we need to understand today that a person is not my enemy. People are not my enemy. Because if we are not careful, we will hurt the very people we are called to reach. We will end up hurting people and doing the enemy's work for him. Where he doesn't have to do anything because we are busy hurting each other, gossiping about each other, fighting each other, doing his work for him. And we have to make a decision today. No, no, no. People are not my enemy. My boss is not my enemy. That person is not my enemy. My child, my spouse is not my enemy. A politician is not my enemy. The church for the love is not my enemy. We have one enemy. And it is the devil in the kingdom of darkness. So we're talking about make him pay. We're not talking about a person making a person pay. We're talking about making the devil pay. Making the devil pay. First thing we got to do is know who our enemy is. And then the very first verse in this passage says, when Jesus heard what had happened, when he heard what happened to John the Baptist, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And if you know Jesus, you read in his life, anytime he withdrew to be by himself, 
He always went to spend time with God. He went to spend time with God. As soon as he felt pain, he went to be with God. First thing is we got to know who our enemy is. Second thing, if we're going to get payback, we have to go to God. And you might be thinking, well, of course, go to God. Well, it's easy to say now, but if you feel pain, our immediate reaction is to question God, doubt God. God, you must have not been good. How could you have let that happen? We doubt God. You must have not been there. If there's a God, he must not be good. Pain, the enemy knows that pain will make us distance. And the enemy wants you to distance from the very person who can help you. He wants to cause you pain because he wants you to distance from God. Have you ever had an interaction with an abused animal before? We go to Allen Animal Shelters where we got Junior, our cat. You can see this. You can tell how much pain an animal has been in by how they respond to people. And if you see an abused animal, they cannot tell the difference between the person who abused them and a vet who was trying to heal them and help them. So they stay away from both. And I have a word for someone today who's experiencing pain is do not blame God for something that the enemy did. Don't blame God. Do not distance from the very person who can help you, who can heal you, who can restore you, and who can save you. He is the only one. In fact, his name is Healer. There are some wounds that only God can heal, that a counselor can't heal, that a self-help book can't heal, that a boy's night or a girl's night can't heal. Only God can heal it. Only the presence of God can heal it. And if you are feeling pain, or you do in the future, go to God. Do not let your pain distance you from God. One of the best ways to draw near to God is worship. Oh my goodness, you might have felt it. Beginning of service, every time we lift up the name of Jesus and we worship, the presence of God comes. And if you want to draw near to God, you just turn on worship music. You don't even have to have worship music, but you just focus your attention on God and his presence will come wherever you are. I mean, there's worship music playing at our house 24-7. It draws God. Psalm 69 verse 29 through 30 says, but as for me, afflicted and in pain, May your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. And when you draw near to God in your pain, God will take your pain and turn it into fuel for payback. Your pain will turn into fuel. The very thing that the enemy used to try to stop you is the very thing that will fuel you into advancing the kingdom of God. That brings me to my next point. Because if we're going to make a payback, get payback in our lives, we have to know who our enemy is, go to God, and the greatest payback is advancing the kingdom of God. Jesus, he withdraws to be by himself, and a crowd follows him. Like he can't get two minutes by himself. 
Crowd follows him to try to get things from him. They want things from him because they're hearing everything that's happening. And they want him to do things for them. And I'm thinking, man, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, can I get a second? I just lost the person closest to me. I'm in pain. I'm hurt. I'm grieving. What in the world could I do for you? What in the world could I give you? Do you know why the enemy causes pain in our lives? Because it gets us to distance from God and it also gets us to focus on me. Gets me to focus on me. I can't see anyone else. I can't deal with anyone else. I can't think about anyone else. But pain blinds us and numbs us to other people's needs gets me to focus on me. But what Jesus does is so beautiful because although he is in pain, the Bible says that he sees the crowd, has compassion on them, and he heals all of their sick. Jesus, you're in pain. You're grieving. But he still saw people. He didn't let his pain stop him from advancing the kingdom of God. Don't let your pain steal your compassion for people. Don't let your pain blind you from the needs of other people. You can be in pain and still see people and still have compassion on people. It says that Jesus healed all that are sick and, and he was there praying for them for so many hours. The sun started going down. It had been hours and the disciples are saying, okay, it's time to go. Like this is enough. They need to go eat. They're hungry. And Jesus says, no, 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 they don't have to go. We can feed them. And they say, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And this is so beautiful. This is, this is the entirety of the message today as we land the plane. This is what I want you to walk away with. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And you might be thinking, you know, the greatest miracle in the Bible is Jesus feeding hungry people. Like, there's probably, like, greater miracles than that, but it's deeper than that. Because if you've been to our church for any time at all, you know that this verse sounds familiar to you because we take communion regularly. And at the Last Supper, Jesus is with his disciples the night before he was crucified. And it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Same exact thing. Took the bread, thanked God for it broke it, and then it fed everyone. Do you know that Jesus feeding the 5,000 is more than Jesus feeding hungry people? Jesus feeding the 5,000 is a secret message to the devil saying, you just wait. You are going to pay for the pain that you caused when I break my body on the cross and I restore all of mankind back to God. Jesus' greatest payback was the gospel. He said, you just wait. 
you're going to pay. You're going to pay for what you did when you brought sin into the world and you deceived Adam and Eve. You're going to pay for separating God from all of humanity. You're going to pay when I break my body on the cross. And then every single person's soul can be satisfied. Jesus' greatest payback was the gospel. If we want payback, our greatest payback is advancing the gospel. It's advancing the gospel. There's a commentary I read. It says, Jesus broke the bread before he gave. In like manner, his body was broken and bruised in death for us before the blessing of his grace came to us. The greatest payback is leading people to Jesus. The greatest payback is seeing our families saved. Greatest payback is seeing our cities saved, seeing our nation saved. Our greatest payback is seeing people say yes to Jesus, filling heaven and emptying hell. That is the greatest payback. It's the greatest payback. I'll tell you a story how this applied to my life when God originally spoke this to me. A couple years ago, I got some really bad news that really broke my heart, and I was really upset, really angry. And pastor said, you know, I was preaching that week at youth, and pastor said, you don't have to preach this week. We can cover it. And I said, thank you so much, but I'm preaching this week because I'm going to make the devil pay with every young person who puts their faith in Jesus, every young person who says yes to Jesus, every young person who gets healed from abuse, every person whose sick body gets healed. I'm going to advance the gospel and make the devil pay for pain that he caused. For you, it might look different than preaching the gospel. Let me just give you a three, a few ways that you can advance the gospel right now. You can partner with us as a local church by joining a lead team at your canvas, canvas, inviting people to come to church with you. You can partner with us to serve at the Dallas Dream Center as we are reaching the city of Dallas. You can serve, you can donate supplies or finances. Personally, you can teach your kids to love Jesus. You can pray for the lost. You can show the love of Jesus to everyone around you. Use your God-given gifts, talents, relationships, relationships, resources, connections, and time to advance the kingdom of God. It is our greatest payback. And today, Church 1132, I invite you to make the devil pay for everything he did to you, all the pain he caused you. Know who's really at fault and who's really responsible and make him pay by staying close to God and advancing the kingdom of God.